Welcome to the final part of the Cedar Better Conflicts podcast on online mediation. In parts one and two, we spoke to Gillian Caro about reservations about online mediation, as well as practical aspects of the process. This final part will recap some of what we have discussed already and look a bit closer at some of the challenges and benefits of online mediation. So now if we could move on to, it's almost like a a semi-quickfire round in terms of (laughs) online mediation, because I know we've discussed a lot of the the challenges and benefits throughout this, but I think it'd be really helpful if um, we just went through through some of the the more obvious ones or some of the ones that that people have quite quickly. And uh, if you could tell me the sort of mitigation or how how you've managed um, to work around that challenge or or work with that benefit, that would be great. So... um, you mentioned already, but, you know, private session, interrupting a private session. Could you just go through again how you um, mitigate that potential challenge? Yeah, because this is an issue and face-to-face you would want to avoid any scenario where you were just inserting yourselves into parties' confidential conversations. So because of the technology, it means you are going straight in once you join a breakout room. And if somebody only has one screen and they happen to be working on a Word document, they don't have any cues that you're in the room um, and it's just awkward. So the thing to do is to agree in advance or at the very beginning of the day how you're going to manage that interaction and particularly coming into rooms and when they need you and when you want to come and talk to them. And, you know, email, WhatsApp, text are all available to us. I personally prefer email because I've got a second screen and that's easy for me to do. Um, And it also means then I'm not having to remember to to turn off the the phone going back into session. Another another potential challenge of online mediation is the intensity of it. And we see that people are getting uh, screen fatigue. They're spending a lot of their time in in front of the screen. And that can be... Um, as tiring, if not more tiring, than, than conducting the process in person. So how do you manage the intensity of, of the online mediation? Yeah, this is, a, this is a really good point. And obviously, as, as mediators, you're used to the mediation being intense anyway. But I think for parties, this is, a, and for the mediator, it's a different sort of intensity. And you are probably not moving around as much as you would do in person. And I think the important thing is to apply best practice and have an open conversation. So we know that best practice tells us that sessions shouldn't really be over an hour and a half, two hours, absolute max, and that we need to give everybody more extensive breaks than than we typically would. And then in addition to that, I would be saying to people that, you know, they need to manage their self-care And if they are tired and need some fresh air or need to go and get some caffeine or need a comfort break, just let me know and I'll be very responsive to that. So I think from a party's point of view, those are are several things that the mediator can do to attend to that. I think it's more difficult, as it is in face-to-face mediations, for us to manage our own energies as effectively as we might. Because when we move from one room to another, the room that we've just left has a bit of a break and a little bit of downtime, even though they might be discussing things. Well, that's not the case for us as mediator. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I, I could do better at, at sort of pausing um, my, myself, but I think, you know, they are long days and they are intense. 
So it's just about managing your calendar the day before and the day after, just so that you're as fresh as you can be uh, as mediator on the day. Now I'm looking at distractions because like we talked about, you know, people will be mediating from the comfort of their home and that's great in a lot of ways, but also brings in a lot of potential distractions, whether that's a spouse, a partner, uh, the cat, um, email going off, phone calls. So how, how do you in, encourage parties to, to manage potential distractions and ensure that they're really committed uh, to the mediation process? Well, I think there's two points there. Um, one is the kind of inevitable distractions that there are if people are working from home alongside other members of their household. And I think, you know, it's, that's where those sort of more informal initial conversations really, really play a part because you can just manage expectations about that. You can normalise it. You can talk about mitigation that they can do at home. So I had one party who had caring commitments for a child. Um, and we talked about that in advance, about you know, how mealtimes we manage or what they were going to be doing. So I think, I think there are things, again, as mediators, that we can raise with parties that they mightn't have thought of themselves or they might have thought of, but it's just good to kind of cover that. Um, and then having a plan B if things go wrong is important as well. Um, that, so that the link to distraction is, you know, if I can't hear you or see you, that's a huge distraction. So, so making sure that I know what your mobile number is and we've agreed that if things go wrong, that we'll switch our phones back on, for example, is good. Um, but also when, when, you know, if you have got somebody walking in, as I, as I did last week, just saying, it's no problem, would you like a few minutes just to attend to that? So again, this level of responsiveness and flexibility from the mediator is important. Mm -hmm. Now going almost full circle, because we, we, we first talked about um, building rapport, um, the loss of the face-to-face -face element as a challenge. How do you how do you get around that? Yeah, this is this is important. So, I mean, I think one of the losses that we have on online mediation versus face-to-face -face is that loss of physical touch. And and I and I mean, I'm referring to the handshake at the beginning of the day, people haven't met before, or the handshake at the end of the day on settlement, or I've had hugs as well and, and parties giving hugs to one another under certain circumstances. So all of that, of course, is, is not available to us online. And I think naming that as mediator is important, but also trying to find an equivalent. So even if, um, even if parties know who each other is by name, but maybe haven't met in person, I will give everybody an opportunity for having an opening joint session just to go round and say their name and, and their role um, because it just kind of locates people in the space and, and it, it, it attends to that kind of initial breaking of the ice, who are you sort of thing. And again, how we handle that as mediators is important. So I won't bounce anybody into that or surprise them with it. I, I will have agreed that in the private session before we go into the joint session and I'll carefully facilitate that. So I'll say, Look, we'll start with the claimant and then his team. And then I'll say, John, could you just introduce yourself? Robert, could you introduce yourself? Karen, could you? So I, I, that's all perfectly managed and, and clarified up front so that nobody either has any surprises or is confused about what's happening. So that's something that 
might need to be doing as mediators to settle people as quickly as possible. So, so naming it and, and having mitigation like, like introductions. Um, but also, you know, when we're, when we're mediating in person, there are times when you walk into the room and you just get a sense of whether it's frustration or anxiety or panic. And, and that, that, I think, is not perhaps as clear-cut online. So the mitigation there would be to just say, how are things in this room? Tell me how you're going. What are you thinking about? And of course, as mediators, we ought to be doing that anyway. But just just really attending to that and giving the party space to express themselves about it. Um, and I suppose the other the other big loss from face to face to online mediation would be in, in a workplace mediation context, where perhaps even the very next day they might be going into work face to face in person but the mediation process has all been online. So they haven't had that moment of eyeballing each other human to human in the same physical space. And that can create some anxiety. And so again, as mediator, what I will do is actually just have a conversation about that. Um, So a couple of weeks ago, I had a mediation. It was two surgeons. They happened to be going back into the hospital the next day. And I said, look, let's talk about what happens when you see each other, how you're going to greet one another, and and let's map that out so that nobody is anxious about how that's going to go because you've now got a framework for doing that effectively. So it's about anticipating all of these things, thinking through it as mediator, but also having those quite transparent conversations with parties and and, and mitigating these factors. Finally, I think it'd be quite interesting for people to, to learn a little bit more, and again, we've touched on this this earlier, but to learn a little bit more about you as the mediator um, in the online mediation space, sort of what are the what are the challenges that, that you face and how do you overcome them? But also, what are the types of things that you're doing and, and thinking um, to make sure the process is as successful as possible? Because I think it will help um, instill trust in, in people uh, in, in the mediator. You know that they know what they're doing. Yeah. So you want just remind me what the key points are you want me to cover in this. Because there was, there was, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking, oh, yes, I could say that or I could say that. Just remind me so, so the key points. The, the key considerations for you as the mediator, um, mainly in, in, when you're doing an online mediation before, during and after, what, what are the sort of things that you're doing to, to make sure the process is as successful as possible? Yeah. Okay. So I guess one of the first things is making sure that my diary has more space in it than it would do with a face-to-face one so that I can spend time meeting everybody who's participating in the mediation process and going through the kind of general process, but particularly the the technical aspects in advance. So that's a kind of a really practical thing. Um, And uh, being aware that it maybe takes twice as long or maybe even three times as long to do that effectively. But of course, that is not lost time. Every time you have an interaction with a participant in a mediation, you're influencing them one way or the other. Um, You're either building rapport or you're not. You're enhancing trust or you're not. Um, You know, so I think I think those are all it may take longer. But my my feeling is and my experience is that actually there's some real benefits to that. So that's that shouldn't be seen as a chore by or, or the parties. Um, and 
And I guess then, you know, during during the mediation, checking in with people maybe a bit more than I had done about their levels of energy and and breaks. Um, and of course, if you've got that agreement about how um, how the tech functions and how you're going to communicate with people when they're in breakout rooms, that just gives everybody one less thing to be thinking about or or worrying about and making sure that you're using the technology um, optimally and to best advantage. Um, I think how parties doesn't change, but the context is very different. So I have to kind of orientate myself to that, which is something that I guess I do differently. And then afterwards, the shift from the default being a telephone call to the default now being a video call because it just allows me to um, have a greater sense of you know what the person is saying, not just in terms of their words, but their their body language and facial expression as well. So um, I think I think there are some additional challenges for us to overcome as mediators in an online mediation setting. So I think people are probably more anxious than they would be. Um, Although I think that is compensated by the fact that they're in the comfort of their own homes and not in a strange solicitor's office or a law firm where they've never been before. So I think, you know, there's there's two aspects to that. Um, but but I think part of our role is to, in those preparatory sessions, not just to make people feel comfortable and conf- confident with the technical functions of whatever platform we're using, but also for me to talk about my own experience of mediating effectively in an online setting and for that to be reassuring and to give them some confidence at least about the process and my ability to manage that effectively. There's one final thought at the moment we don't have any choice but to mediate online because of where we're living under the COVID-19 era but do you think that online mediation has a space in the medium the long term so when, when people have the option to media in face do you think online mediation will remain a, a viable option for people i i definitely think so um and i think you know if we are going to be responsive as mediators we need to offer different platforms depending on what the parties need and i think you know there are huge advantages of of mediating online it, it there's a there's a reduced cost because people are not traveling sometimes from all parts and parcel of you know all parts of the globe um which is a second point about the environmental impact so it lessens our footprint um which is you know in, in becoming increasingly more important um i think it's much quicker to set up uh, mediating online and i think it's just as effective with some additional benefits that you don't get with face to face mediation so I think um, even when restrictions, lockdown restrictions lift, um, I'll certainly be advocating online mediation as a plan A because it, it, works, it works for me personally. I'm not needing to travel all around the country or beyond, um, but I, I think it's, it's effective and it gets parties what they want. And so with all those attended benefits, you know, why wouldn't you give it a go? Well, Julian, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on online mediation with us. My pleasure.